Let's give them one more hand as they head off the stage. Well done, well done. Hey, uh, hey, Nora, you and I have some words after the service about uh, that video. Uh, <laughs> so one of our values as a church is we mentor across generations. It's one of my favorite values. And, and this is one of my favorite ways to see that lived out, where our kids not only are learning these things, but they are teaching us. And uh, man, I'm just so grateful for them. So guys, thank you again for sharing with us. And we do mentor across generations in multiple ways. I mean, our, our kids ministry that meets on Sunday mornings, Awana on Wednesday nights, and then things like VBX, uh, which is a wonderful program that goes outside the walls of our church into our community where people are, where Jesus would be, and inviting them to come to our homes uh, to learn more about him. And if you are interested in volunteering, uh, if you're interested and being a site leader, please sign up. If you're interested in being a teacher, evidently my site is looking for one of those. And so you can sign up for that as well. But you guys are stuck with me today um, as the teacher. So uh, let, me, let me open us up with a word of prayer. God, you're good. And uh, it was so good to be able to be with our, our kids today as they celebrated you as they worshiped you, as they proclaimed that there is nothing and no one else that can satisfy the way that you do. And, and Lord, uh, I know as they grow up, they're gonna be tested in that, just as every single one of us has been. Uh, we all are tempted and have put things before you. But many of us, Lord, we have found that there is nothing, nothing that satisfies like you do. And so, God, I pray that uh, in these students, you will instill with them at a young age uh, that there is nothing and no one like you, and that we as a church can model that, what faith looks like as it's lived in you and lived with you. And Lord, today, as we look at uh, one of the most beloved chapters in Scripture, I pray, God, that you will open up our hearts, help us to see ourselves in these stories that Jesus tells. And would you minister to us by the power of your Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, it is so good to be back after a few weeks away. I appreciate uh, Ben and Tim and Tom stepping in. Uh, I got to spend two weeks in March uh, in Israel. Uh, this was a, a trip that had actually been originally planned for March of 2020, uh, but like many things in your life, it got COVIDed, and so I've been kind of anticipating this trip for the last three years, and then finally uh, was was able to make it happen. I got to go um, with students from three different Bible colleges, and just it was a, an incredible experience all the way around. And if you are interested in taking a pilgrimage of your own. Uh, we are offering another trip through Sherwood Oaks in March of 2024. And so you can go to socc.org slash bulletin uh, to get some more information about that. And as amazing as the trip was, and it really was, I, it's always good to be back home. It doesn't matter where I go, how incredible the experience was. It's just always good to be home, isn't it? Hey, during my time in Israel, there were reminders all around me that this wasn't home. Um, from the food that I ate 
to the bed that I tried unsuccessfully most nights to sleep on, uh, to the signs I couldn't read, language I couldn't understand, all the unfamiliar noises, the, the protests that were happening in Jerusalem that we heard outside of our hotel. I'm sure I'm really selling you on this Israel trip right now. But everyone that I met, didn't matter where we went, from Israelis to Palestinians were incredibly friendly and welcoming and kind. But I couldn't help but feel like just a little bit of an outsider. And like that is such a weird place to be, isn't it? Such a, a difficult feeling to have when you, when you feel like you just don't quite fit in, when you feel like, man, this place isn't home Maybe when you feel like this isn't a place I belong. And, and I know for a lot of people, when they come into church, that's the way that they feel. Maybe you're here right now because you came to watch a child or a grandchild or a niece or a nephew. And, and you're like, okay, I'm going to sit through this, but this is not my people. This is not where I belong. I mean, if that's you, I just want to tell you, you are exactly where you belong right now. You are welcome here. And we're glad that you are here. It's bad enough when we feel like we don't belong. But it's even worse in those times when someone makes us feel like we don't belong. Like they go out of their way to make us feel like an outsider, like we're not welcome. And if you've ever been in that place, especially if it was at a church or if, or if someone religious in your life made you feel like you weren't good enough or like you didn't belong, then Today's text is for you. Today we're looking at a few stories that, that were just kind of presented to us by our kids to help us understand a little bit more about who God is and what his posture is towards those of us who sometimes feel like we don't belong. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. We'll have the words up on the screen. We've got Bibles there in front of you. But man, it's just always so good to get into the Word of God together. We are, we are wrapping up our series today on parables, these stories that Jesus told to help us see more clearly what God is like and who he is and how to live for him and what his kingdom is, is like and how he relates to us. And in Luke chapter 15, we find three of Jesus' most iconic stories that he tells. And in this chapter has been referred to as the gospel of the outcast. I love that. This is the gospel of the outcast. This is a chapter of good news to those of us who maybe feel like we are lost, who maybe have felt like we don't belong. It's a chapter of good news for those of us who are looking for hope, who feel like sometimes we are just kind of wandering through life. Luke 15 tells us three stories about things that were lost. Probably the most famous one was the last one that we heard. It was the, the lost son, the prodigal son, the, the reckless, wild living son who asked for his father's estate, his share of it, went out, squandered it, spent it recklessly, practiced this speech in his head when he realized, man, I am at the end of my rope. I can't do anything else. I'm starving. I'm going to go back to my dad. I'm going to ask for his forgiveness, plead for it, make me like a slave and and the amazing thing about Luke chapter 15 and the story of the prodigal son is that while the son was on his way back home, while he was still a long way off, the father who was waiting and who never stopped watching for his son to return saw him come over the horizon and he didn't wait for him to get all the way there. He ran out and he met him. And even before the son could get his rehearsed speech out, the father's like, yeah, 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 welcome home. And he made him a son again. 
And he threw a huge party because the son that was lost is now found. Rejoice, celebrate. It's exactly what they did. There's another story in chapter 15 about a woman who lost a precious coin and she was so distraught over it. She tore up her entire house looking for it. And when she found it, she invited her neighbors and she said, rejoice with me because I found this lost coin. They threw a party. Do you notice a theme? In all of these stories, all of these stories Jesus tells because of one statement that was made at the beginning of Luke chapter 15. I just imagine this statement being made and Jesus just shaking his head and going, you guys don't even get it, do you? Look at what it says, verse one. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. I love that, that picture. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, these religious leaders, they muttered. And that word muttered, it, it means that they, they were talking loud enough that everyone around them could hear them. Like they, they pretended like they wanted to be discreet, but really they wanted to get a message across. And they said, this man, Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. Sinners was this class of people that the religious leaders had deemed to be living immoral lives, uh, maybe working in questionable fields of occupation. And the Pharisees and teachers of the law and these religious people did everything that they could to stay away from them because they didn't want their ickiness to rub off. And yet here's Jesus, who, who they think is a religious man. They're like, Jesus, why are you hanging out with people like this, the, the very ones that they tried everything in their power to avoid, Jesus tried everything in his to move towards. And the accusation that they made against him more than once is that Jesus welcomes these religious outcasts and eats with them. The audacity. And that word welcome is interesting. Elsewhere, it means eagerly searching and awaiting it's like saying we welcome spring when it arrives and while we wait for it, we are eagerly searching out signs for it. Warmer weather, flowers that are starting to bloom, trees that are starting to bud, grass is starting to turn green. We welcome the arrival of spring as we eagerly await for it to get here. And that's how Jesus treated the outcast and the marginalized the ones who felt like they didn't belong, the ones who maybe were made to feel like they didn't belong. Jesus eagerly was waiting for them. He eagerly was watching for signs of them to come close to him. He longed for them and he welcomed sinners like me and like you and he gives us a place to belong. That is Jesus' posture towards us. He seeks us, receives us, he welcomes us, and he rejoices when we are found. And to make God's heart for the outcast known, Jesus tells these three stories of lost things being found and, and the party that ensues afterwards. And the first is a story about a lost sheep. Look at it with me. I want to read it again. Starting in verse three, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after that lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. 
And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, celebrate. <laughs> I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Again, this parable uh, is, is an ordinary story about something. I mean, even as we were driving uh, along the roads, highways in Israel, we would look over in the countryside and we'd see shepherds herding their, their sheep. This ordinary story that they would have been very familiar with, Jesus uses to tell about an extraordinary kingdom. And so when Jesus wants to teach us about God's heart for those who feel like they are lost and they don't belong, he says, he says, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like when a shepherd has a hundred sheep and, he's, and he gets to the end of the day and he knows he's responsible to the person who actually owns the sheep for every single one of them. And so he's counting 98, 99. Okay, we're missing one. And he leaves the 99 and he goes out and he searches for the one. Now, if I'm honest, uh, this seems a little ridiculous to me. <laughs> Like, let the one fend for himself. 99 of these sheep stayed where they were supposed to be and only one of them wandered off. Maybe this is just a little bit of a thinning of the herd that needs to take place, a little bit of survival of the fittest and whatever happens to that one happens and it's kind of on him. He shouldn't have wandered off. But then I take a step back and I realize that Jesus is talking about me. I'm the one. I'm the wanderer. Just ask my wife, whenever we go somewhere, she has a harder time keeping track of me than she does the girls. Like I need one of those backpacks that has the bungee leash on it so that she can like rein me back in. And she's actually up there working in the booth right now. And the person that's working next to her is like, is that true? And she's like, yeah, it's true. Like this is not preacher talk. I wander. I was always one of the last ones on the bus in, in Israel. People are like, where's Sean? Oh, here he comes. <laughs> but I don't just wander through life. Like I wander from God. I wander from him more easily than, than I like to admit 23 years into my journey with him. I can identify with that hymn that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I can be that lost sheep. I certainly was before Christ and I still have tendency to be and you are or you can be too. It's very, not a very flattering label, that lost sheep, but it's, but it's more accurate than we care to admit. Sheep are stubborn. They get lost easily. When they separate from the herd, they get into trouble. And I don't know about you, but that describes me pretty well. And so while my natural reaction is to write off the one for the sake of the 99, the shepherd knows that the one lost sheep is lonely and unprotected and vulnerable and in danger and cannot care for itself and I think that speaks volumes to Jesus, our good shepherd, who came looking for us. There are a few things that we can learn from this parable. I think the most obvious is, is that Jesus came looking for lost people. Jesus came looking for lost people. This is the core of who he is and what he came to do. In fact, when Jesus sums up his mission just a few chapters later in Luke 19.10, he says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. 
That's what Jesus came to do. He came to rescue us from our sin and to give us a place to belong. Isaiah 52, six says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. We have all wandered. We have all felt the sting of our sin and separation. We have all felt the pain of brokenness because of our sin, broken lives, broken relationships, broken promises, broken trust. All of us have been there and we have felt that at one point or another in our life. We know what it's like to feel lost. We know what it's like to feel lonely. We know what it's like to feel like we don't belong and to maybe be judged by others. As we've wandered off into the dangerous, unprotected, open land of our sin, Jesus, our good shepherd, doesn't look at us and say, well, it serves you right. You should have stayed where you were. You, have, you deserve whatever comes to you after this. No. Instead, he comes searching for us and he does not call off the search until he finds us and he brings us back home. There is a persistency in these three stories and it represents the persistent, relentless, reckless love of God that never stops pursuing those that he loves, which is every single one of us. He keeps running and running after us no matter how far we try to run from him. In other words, and don't miss this, you are never too lost for God's grace to find you. Ever. It does not matter where you've been or what you have done. It does not matter how long you have been running or how far you feel like you have run from him. None of that matters. You are never too far lost that God's grace cannot find you. And when he does find you like a loving, gentle shepherd, Jesus joyfully picks you up and he takes you home. He carries you back to the place where you belong, a place where your heart and your soul are safe and provided for and protected, a place of rest, a place where you can heal, where you can find hope. But notice the climax of these three stories. It's not when the item is found. It's not when the sheep is found. The climax is the party that happens afterwards. The moral of these stories is, is that Jesus came looking for lost people, but it's also that you are never too far from God's grace to be found, but it's also there is a party in heaven when someone lost is found. Jesus is making an accusation of his own by telling these three stories that flies in the face of the accusation that these religious people made against him. And just as the father celebrates when the son returns and the woman throws a party when she finds her lost coin, the shepherd invites his friends over to celebrate when just one lost sheep is found. And what Jesus wants us to understand through these stories is that God rejoices when even just one person enters into his kingdom, when even one person is found after having been lost. And so do those who are close to him. C.S. Lewis once wrote that joy is the serious business of heaven. <laughs> and there is some serious joy in heaven when someone who is lost is found, when someone who is far comes near. 
And so while these religious leaders are grumbling and complaining that Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them, Jesus says, listen, guys, if you can't rejoice over what is happening right now, if you cannot celebrate that these tax collectors and people that you have labeled as sinners are being welcomed into God's kingdom, if you can't find joy in this, then you may not be as close to the heart of God as what you like to think that you are. And so what are these stories about a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son mean for us? A couple of things, just real quickly as we close out. And I wanna talk first to those of us who are followers of Jesus in the room or maybe joining online. We see in these stories that God's heart really does beat for those who are far from him. We don't just see it in Luke chapter 15. I mean, we see it all throughout the pages of scripture. God longs for people who are far from him, living far from him. We see it in the mission of Jesus, again, to come and seek and save the lost. And so if it's God's heart and it's Jesus' mission to see lost people found, then it should be at the heart of our lives and our church as well. There are people in your life who are that lost sheep. You know them. You might be thinking about somebody right now that you love and you care for that you know is wandering out into the wilderness of their sin without hope. There are people that are lost and God wants to use you to help them find their way back home. And one of the ways that you can do that is simply by inviting them to church. There are many ways that you can do it. And there are many ways that God wants to use you to be a spiritual influencer in that person's life. But one of those is just inviting them to church. And there is no better week to do that than next week. Next Sunday's Easter. So I encourage you, we've got these invite cards out in the lobby, stacks of them. Pick up one, two, three, 10, however many you need and start praying for people that you can give these to that maybe aren't following Jesus right now or used to, but maybe kind of wanted it away like we all do. Invite them to come sit with you in church next Sunday and pray that God will open up their hearts that they will find him or he will find them, however that works <laughs> again. Pick up those cards, hand them out. And if you're here this morning, or you're joining us online, and maybe you feel far from God, maybe you're not even sure what you believe about all of this. Maybe you're here and you know full well the extent of your sin and your brokenness. It is, it is ever before you. You know the hurt that you have caused yourself and others and you keep trying to run from it, but it just keeps finding you. And if that's you, you need to know this morning that God loves you. He loves you. And you may not believe that. You may look at me and say, I don't, I don't know that I can trust you when you say that. You're supposed to say that. You're a preacher. You, you might be able to think of a thousand reasons why God should not love you. You may be able to hear the voice of some religious person in your head that has told you that you don't belong. But I'm telling you, God loves you. There's nothing and no one that can change that, even you.
And today we celebrate Palm Sunday. And it's a day when we remember that Jesus rode in on the back of a donkey looking for lost sheep, looking for lost coins, looking for lost daughters and sons like me and like you. Earlier I read from verse uh, in, in Isaiah 53 and I wanna finish out what it says. Again, Isaiah writes these words hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. And he says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him. Who? Jesus, the coming Messiah, the one who would ride into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and be proclaimed, Hosanna, Lord, save us. It would lay the iniquity of us all on him. Because of his love for you, God sent Jesus to take all of your sin, all of your guilt, all of your shame and nail it to this cross so that you can find new life and a fresh start so that you can be adopted into God's family. He has made a way for you to experience his love and his grace and he is pursuing your heart even right now in hopes that you will embrace that grace that he has for you. And so today, if you are ready to stop running if you are ready to embrace God's grace and forgiveness, if you are ready to surrender to Jesus and start following him, he is ready to welcome you with open arms, to welcome you and give you a place to belong. Jesus, thank you so much for going to the cross and taking the iniquities of us all. Thank you for sharing these stories that show us not just the heart of the Father, but show us your mission. Thank you, Lord, for personifying that mission as you rode into Jerusalem, the beginning of Holy Week, knowing that you would be the one that would carry our sin to the cross. Thank you for making a way for us to be forgiven and set free. Lord, may we live in the joy and the celebration of that forgiveness if there's anybody today, God, that needs to experience that for the first time or maybe even again, Lord, give them the courage to take their next steps that Quentin's gonna share with us now. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can watch all of our video content, both current and past, on our YouTube channel? Visit youtube.com slash Sherwood Oaks to watch messages, series, and complete worship services.